everyone, this is William Del Pilar, and I'm here with my fellow fantasy sports pioneer, Big John, and I got to tell you, it's been an exciting night, especially if you're a Golden State Warriors fan, Perhaps. and if you're a greedy fool like Big John with the betting, you're happy right now. <laughs> Big John, tell us what happened, what went down with the Boston Celtics Golden State Warriors game six. Right. So, William, for, for, for our viewers, the game just ended. We're, we're, we're recording this episode right after the game ended. And as your friend Big John predicted uh, before the series started, Golden State wins the 2022 NBA Finals uh, in six games, 103-90 to over Boston uh, at the Boston Gardens. So... Um, a uh, great series for the for the Warriors. The Celtics just didn't have that last run in them. They they collapsed. They 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 were never really in this game. They started off hot. Remember uh, our last episode? Dennis and I talked about it. We said they're going to come out hot, and they came out hot. They they were up by uh, by twelve uh, in the first quarter at one point. But John, then, you you watched the game from beginning to end. Yeah, I was working on our infrastructure. We got right. big things planned for sports. Absolutely. Okay, but that said, did the Warriors look like a team that were ready that that were going to put their foot down on the neck of their opponent and put him away? And the reason I ask that is because that's what that's what it seems it's been gearing towards the last two games, not counting tonight's game. So I'm just wondering is is that the mentality you saw in Golden State? It was interesting to start the game. I thought they had a bit of a rope-a-dope strategy, you know, like the old Muhammad Ali thing, because when that first quarter opened up at right at tip off, man, Boston came out all guns blazing, William. It was just bam, 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 driving the hoop, hitting the three, driving the hoop, hitting the three, uh, good defense. Uh, the, the first four or five shots went, you know, they rimmed out for the, for the warriors. So, but you could see that they weren't panicking. You know, at one point they took a TV timeout. They were down by 10 and Steph Curry was smiling. He was smiling the whole time. And before you know it, at, by the end of the first quarter, by the end of the half, you had uh, the Warriors up by 15, right? So they were down 10. Now they're up 50. That's a 25 point swing, brother. And you could see it was that rope-a-dope. They, they sort of let the Celtics punch themselves out. Next thing you know, uh, Steph Curry is hitting his buckets, not the threes necessarily. He went six, four, 11 on the game. So not okay. bad. So, but, so without picking an MVP or, or, or diagnosing either player uh, uh, towards one each other, I mean, towards one another, yeah. how did Wiggins perform and how did Curry perform based on expectations? Meaning Curry's a superstar. We expect right. him at a certain level. And, and then how did Wiggins play based on that, what we've seen this, this year? Right. Well, Wiggins had a solid game. He didn't get his double-double. He had 18 points, six rebounds, five assists, four steals, and three blocks. I mean, I shouldn't even say solid. Do you know how many minutes he played? Yeah, he played played almost 44 minutes, 43-41. So, yeah, yeah. well, listen, the the starters for, um, I should say their core, not their starters, because Otto Porter started and he didn't see too much time, but Wiggins, Green, Thompson, and Curry. The guy who played the least was Curry, and he played 40 minutes, <laughs> okay? And he yeah. played the least, all right? So so they put in their minutes. Um, Wiggins had a great game. I mean, if you just listen to what I told you, it wasn't a double-double, but 18 points, six rebounds, um, uh, five assists, 
four steals, three blocks. I mean, that's a great defensive game. He was clamping down on people, contributed his buckets. Um, but Curry came up with 34 points. Uh, if I read the stat line, I'm looking over. I apologize. He had uh, seven assists, seven rebounds, 34 points. And how many points did Wiggins have again? Uh, 18. Okay, yeah. So, so clearly, it's, Curry. Uh, it's Curry's award. It's, yeah, it's Curry's award. I think he's way he, like we talked about Wiggins possibly making a strong run, but there's no way this this is this is Curry. So he hit 34 points. He'd have to be around 20 for this to even be a consideration. So I think he had the you game. You know, John, I wonder where Curry's seat in history is, and the reason I wonder is because basketball and uh, the NBA is one of those sports where if you look back from the 60s and uh you've got players with 10 championships from a lot of them from boston but then you have a lot of lakers players with multiple championships you got you know it's 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 not the sport where getting the ring if you're a great player on a good team is is i don't want to say hard because it is hard but it's much more common than you would think in that sport and King James, I loathe him. He's a bad human being. He's not bad. He's just an ignorant fool, you know? Uh, but he has his place in history considering all he's done. Right. The debate on him being a true champion in terms when you compare him to other champions will always be there because he's lost so much once he got into the playoffs. Uh, but he's always going to be remembered. Jordan will be remembered as one of the elites. You know, Oscar Robinson, you know, all the Baylor, all those Wilt, guys. Will Chamberlain. Will I Chamberlain. can't imagine how many people forget Will. Do you know? Yeah, but Magic yeah. Johnson. I mean, these yeah. are these are some of the greats. And I, I wonder, because Curry's been that quiet people's champion the last 10 years. Uh, when you say this is greatness in terms of, of an individual in their sport, Curry's a great player. But I can walk into a room. Man, did you see the games that Curry had? Who? I walk in a room. Did you see the game Michael Jordan had? Oh, yeah. I mean, they transcend the game. Tiger Woods has transcended golf. You know, uh, Tom Brady has transcended football. Yeah. These are names, when you say it, they're true superstars. And, and I'm not talking about his play. I'm not talking about how many rings he has. Yeah. I'm just that one moment uh, of transcending beyond your right. sport. I don't know if Curry's done that. I, to be honest with you, I think that might be a generational thing. And there's a lot of reasons for that. So I think if you talk to today's youth, Steph Curry to them is... John, it doesn't matter. That's every generation. You talk to the no. youth, they're going to tell you who, who all the stars are. No, I understand. I, I, I'm I, talking I, the longevity. No, I think he will be remembered. I think he will be. First of all, he's a he's a Hall of Famer. And when you when you look at the because there's no part of his game that would keep him out of the Hall of Fame. He's a scorer. John, you I'm know, not arguing that. Right. You are right. Yeah. I'm talking about transcending the I, game. I, I know. I guess it depends on what you mean by transcending. Like, let's put it this way. Oh, it's term- easy. It's easy. Transcending the game is walking into a room of strangers, saying that individual's name, and they all know who he is, regardless if they follow this. Right. I, I, I think it would depend. Honestly, I think it would depend on the generation of the room you walked into. Oh, I, I don't think so. I mean, everybody I, I think knows so. who Joe Montana is. You say Joe Montana. They, they uh, you'd be surprised how many young kids you walk in and say Joe Montana, and they may look at you weird and say, Who? I'm not talking about a 10, 12, or 15. No, no, I'm talking, yeah, but I'm talking about teenagers, say, yeah, like, I'm ta- yeah, and those kids are going to know every star today, they're not going to know a star from four years ago. I'm talking about uh, 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 uh as, as as they go on in their lives, as as, as uh, right, 
because they just too naive to understand the sport. They're still learning the sport. They're still learning who and what they like, the history of their favorite team, the players. I mean, you're right. I didn't know squat. I mean, you know, when I first started watching football, it's because you're young and your mind hasn't developed. I don't know how old I was, six, seven, eight. I used to always marvel at how smart these announcers were when they, somebody <laughs> would punt the ball. Well, that's a Baltimore uh, Colts bounce that's taken. And I'm like, how did he know it was going to bounce that way? I mean, he's seen after the fact. And my point right. being is our minds aren't developed to understand what you're yeah. learning and everything. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not knocking Curry. I'm actually saying it because more people should know who he is than actually do. He is a great, I don't agree with some of the stupid comments he says when he's put in a political corner, but he's a great role model, family guy, values guy. Yeah. Uh, 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 he, he just oozes what a role model in that sport should I be. I agree with you. I agree with you a hundred percent. Like if, if, if you're one of those people who thinks athletes should serve as role models, I think you'd be hard pressed to find someone who's a better role model than, than Steph Curry. I mean, he's, he's a God fearing person. He, he, you don't hear about him like with 20 baby mamas or whatever. He's not a thief. He's not on drugs. He hasn't committed felonies. He's on the straight and narrow. He talks the right game. He like, everyone loves him to endorse their, their product. Right. So I, I from that, and he's super successful at what he does right he's going to be a hall of famer he's a champion so he's got his rings multiple champions multiple championship rings right and he's got numbers so you there's nothing you could point in his game where you go well he could have been a little bit better this or he could have been no so from that perspective i think like look he's not michael jordan he's not will chamberlain He's not like if you go back far enough, was it George Mike? And he's not he's not any of those guys. But is he say, I don't know, is he Kobe? I don't know. Maybe. If you think I, know, Kobe, I think he's better than Kobe because Kobe was not a team player when push came to shove. Give no, no, not in terms of a player. I mean in terms of your question about transcendence. Is he oh is he on I the question Kobe if you ever remember Kobe? I don't see I don't view Kobe in Shaq, Jordan, or or even King James. Well, I don't know. King James, I, I'm a little uh, uh I stopped watching basketball about the time of his emergence, so I can't right. fairly judge him. Uh uh, but that said, I, I don't want to digress too much, but I do want to digress on this one quick point you made. For yeah. people who think they should be role models, that's wrong. Here's why. Kids look up the certain people regardless of what society says you are. They right. are role models. When I grew up, I wanted to be Franco Harris, Lynn Swan. Yeah, and you know what my friend told me when I moved to the States? Why don't you want to be Rocky Blyer? I can at my skin tone, you know? <laughs> like, it, you know, it's a, it's funny how when you think back to back in any politics, even back then, in a joke. But that said, those, I wanted to be those players. Terry Bradshaw, all those players. You don't have a choice. So how you carry yourself shows a lot about the man or woman you are sure. in that position. So, so because Jim Rome, he said, I mean, Jim Rome, I, I'm not a fan of Jim Rome. He, he's your 700 per pound gorilla who hides. Yeah, I, I, I didn't care for Jim Rome either. And, yeah. uh, but he's good at what he does, but, but, but he's a punk. Uh, but that said, you know, he's always saying they're not role models. Yeah, they are. They don't have a choice in being a role models. How they choose to live their lives determines whether they're going to, going to be a good and bad role model. But anyway, I don't want to digress too much on there. Uh, hey, we're doing the show. So if, if they do announce the MVP, uh, let us know. Let the audience yeah. know. I'll, I'll, really I'll let you know. But I will also uh, 
note that Jason Tatum had a really bad game. Oh, and, that's right. That's and right. and uh, much like Jalen Brown, though, who, for those of you that follow my prop bets, I did, I did uh, put a small bet on him to go over 28 points. And Jalen Brown ended up with, um, I want to be exact here, 34. So both him and Curry tied for the, for the game top score. Uh, Tatum only put back 13 points and, and he had five turnovers. The See, that validates my belief, and here's yeah. why. I felt for them to get to, uh, 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 and I should have brought it up. Uh, I just didn't think of it until, at, you know, the things after, damn, I right. should have said, said that. It's right, like right. we with the hot girl. I should have said this. Right. <laughs> but anyway, so uh, the reason I, I didn't necessarily agree with the fact that uh, 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 on the, the MVP and based off of Tatum's play is because I felt Tatum had to go, go off for the team around him as well because per your point brown did go off but they still lost so my belief is simple if your superstar or the person who's your leader if he can't get it going that kind of keeps the calmness of the ocean uh uh, simmering there but if that superstar gets off he's able to lift this team i'm not saying that would have happened but i wish i had brought that point up to dennis to get his perspective because i'm sure he's seen that a lot in right. the league well you it's know? also like what we all said last episode which is if the celtics go over those 16 turnovers that's their magic number Everyone that's right that it. happened and you asked both me and dennis are the celtics going to go over 16 turnovers both of us said yes yes they will which and, means a uh, loss and and they had 23 today uh tonight i should say and they did end up losing so definitely um you know, like I said, I, I feel vindicated. I said Golden State in six. It turns out being Golden State in six. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, so and and congratulations to the Warriors, man. I mean, they weren't the favorites coming in by any stretch of the imagination, uh, but they got hot at the right time. They got their players back at the right time. They all gelled at the right time as a team. I mean, yes, it's Steph Curry and four other guys, right? No, no, no that's a team. Steph Curry is a leader of that team, right. but, but they play arguably the best team ball yes oh and let me throw this out because we've been uh to be honest with you i i i'll be the first to admit i ragged on this guy last episode saying he they should consider benching him a little bit but let me let me give a shout out to draymond green played almost 42 minutes uh eight points which doesn't sound i'm sorry 12 points which doesn't sound which like is a high for him <laughs> right it doesn't um uh, i'm sorry i'm misreading this he had he had 12 points but uh, he had 12 rebounds, eight assists, two steals, and two blocks. Again, a, a better version of Dennis Rodman. Again. Now, a, he understood a, his right. role. And, and, like, you remember, if you remember, Dennis Velasco said he's valuable because of his passing, and he led the team in assists. He had eight assists. There you go. And, and he's Dennis, playing. And he's, down. and he's started at center. So think about that. Your Whoa, center. How tall is he? I think he's 6'8". So, so that so that was what they call their small. Uh, what's the well, term? they're a small team. They're a small team. Like, um, but yeah, they didn't have Kevin Looney on to start. Um, also, listen, I, 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 they got nineteen great defensive minutes out of Gary Payton the second. The glove too. Uh, I, I like you. You and I were talking before the show. That's how you know you're old. When we said, "Man, his daddy was a great defensive player. He was defensive oh, player you know of the what? year." His dad was a real a hole early on in his career. <laughs> right. But then, as he matured, he was still the same a hole. 
but he was more righteous in what he was being right. a-hole about. It was like, no, I agree with you on that one. So he kind of morphed into this, this truly proper righteous guy because uh, uh, he was all about himself. But he was one of those players you love to hate and love to love. You know? Yeah, because he if he played for you, you loved him. If he played for <laughs> someone else, you hate him. Yeah. But oh, well, Hold on, John. Final question for you. Yeah. Uh, we had not talked about this at all. We, we touched on it, but what's your grade with uh, a, a Boston's rookie coach here? I mean, did, was was there anything in this series that you could lay at his feet, maybe? I, and I'm not saying you blame no. the coach. I'm not saying that. No, I'm no. Saying, I think there any big mistakes? Just how match team? No, he, he did a good job. It was just they're a young team. Yeah. And it's scary to think that these guys are going to get better. Listen, you, if you're a young team that's on the up, you got to go through this. You got to feel that pain, man. That's how you evolve as a team. That's what, that's part of becoming a champion is on, is going through the playoffs, having that experience and falling short. There's no, nothing, you're right. You're right. So, so there's nothing that really brings that team together next season. These guys are going to be even better because hey, think they, about it. Yeah. Think about it. They were losing. They were losing until right around February. And then they flipped around. I think they lost, what, two or three games the rest of the season. Right. They took the defending champs to – because there's a good chance this is a different championship if the Bucks had advanced with their size and ability uh, uh, to score. Uh, Chris was Middleton would have been healthy, or I'm assuming right. he may have been Middleton, healthy. Middleton, yeah. Could have been a different outcome. So so the, they, they overcame – uh, a hurt Bucks team, but they were young and the Bucks were still favored. Uh, 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 well, I think they were favored, but then they overcame a Heat team, you know. So at the end of the day, they went through the trials and tribulations. It takes some players years to get through. So if they can keep that team intact, add a yeah. few couple of key components, whether depth or maybe a starter here or there, I don't know. Uh, you're looking at a very, very dominant team and hungry team because when you play great defense like they do and right. you're still not at the top of your game yet look out world and i'm happy for the Celtics. the Celtics yeah, have and, a rich and, tradition yeah and let's face it what's going to happen is all these guys who got this experience listen aside from tatum and brown who by the way they don't like tatum gets a lot of publicity brown does not get nearly as enough enough publicity as he should he's a really good player and uh, you look at the ancillary players who are now going to be contributors going for Robert Williams. I think Robert Williams is going to be a great, he's a good player. Now he's going to be a great player. Um, he, he was a monster tonight. He just couldn't put the team on his back the way the, a scorer can, but he had himself a pretty good game. Um, yeah. I, 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 it, they're going to be tough. They're going to be tough. I, like, I mean, if you're a basketball fan right now, you're heading into what appears to be a really good competitive age of basketball, assuming the teams that we've seen this year kind of stick together, right? So Milwaukee's still going to be tough next year, right? Boston obviously is going to be tough. Look right. at Miami. Uh, Miami, who plays team ball better than Miami? Uh, well, you know, they got they need some people to step up in Miami. I mean, in terms of taking the next step. Well, they need some pieces down there too, but um, – We'll see. We'll see how all that yeah. plays out. It's going to be an exciting uh, offseason. Why do I say it's going to be exciting? Because we're going to have Dennis Velasco back <laughs> yes. to give his final few comments, but then to talk about the draft. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Draft is next. And listen, um, I'm kind of, I'm sorry if I'm glancing away. I'm trying to see if they've actually named the MVP yet. I haven't seen it posted yet. 
Um, and I turned off uh, the TV so I wouldn't be distracted. So I'm assuming it's going to be Curry. And if if I get any news here, paying attention to my other screens here, uh, I'll I'll mention it later in the show. But uh, I my my I'm pretty sure it'll be Curry. All righty, all right, guys, we're still in our intro. So so John, welcome. <laughs> <laughs> and tonight's topics are obviously the NBA Finals. Yeah, it was an exciting Finals, even though it ended in six games. Uh, and that's because even though Golden State dominated it, the Celtics just seemed to have that ability to, with the three shots, to always come back. Uh, but tonight we're going to talk a little bit about Garoppolo, the Buccaneers, Jack Del Rio, a little bit of pizza talk. And if we have time, uh, 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 we'll add in another topic or two. Uh, sure. But we've already ate up 20 minutes talking about arguably the most exciting game of the week. So, so, so there's that. All right. I saw a tweet, you know, when, when, Baker Mayfield and Jimmy Garoppolo, and if you don't know what that's about, audience, you really are uh, 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 living <laughs> on an island. But real quick, Garoppolo has, what, $27 million contract, twenty at least $25-plus million contract, was expected to be traded. Uh, Garoppolo even gave his goodbyes at his last press conference, chose to have shoulder surgery, and that's kind of ended any trade talk. Uh, Baker Mayfield played injured. Gave his heart to the team, was all set in the offseason. Then the Browns started to pursue uh, Deshaun Watson before they even had him. That upset Baker Mayfield, who is known to be a bit immature. He's all 100% in, but he's been known to be a bit immature, maybe arrogant. But, you know, you're at that young age. Right. And now $18 million contract, he's not reporting. The team doesn't want him, et cetera. I always wondered in the back of my head, what are, what are the Buccaneers doing? Why aren't they pursuing one of them? Look, Tom Brady is not a spring chicken. He retired once already, and they had no game plan, John. They had no quarterback. They were scrambling, and they really were scrambling. So why haven't we heard more talk about the article dealt with Garoppolo? We'll focus on Garoppolo. But why not look to pursue Baker Mayfield or Garoppolo? I mean, to play behind Tom Brady, if you're Baker Mayfield, to me, that's a win-win. Because what yeah. it validates is, is, I mean, nobody wants to be benched, you know, and you don't want to hear about it. You get a little defensive, but there's nothing to be defensive about sitting behind and learning from Tom Brady. So what are your thoughts on this? Um, I don't see Garoppolo wanting to go to Tampa Bay to sit behind Brady again. Um, I don't think, I don't think that, it makes sense for him. Um, and from what we've been hearing about Trey Lance's progression, I don't think the 49ers want Garoppolo to leave right now. That's um, a good point. You know, We're so, not hearing that, but that's a good point. Yeah, it's, it's you know, so I don't think Garoppolo makes sense to me. Baker Mayfield's intriguing, but, I, like, I, I don't think the Bucks can take on his contract as is, right? So, uh does it make sense? Like in one of these theoretical sense? Yeah, sure. It does. Like, you know, you could have someone like Mayfield insurance against injury, even though Brady's been remarkably resilient throughout his career, uh, except for one season, he basically. That's right. The ACL's yeah. here. That was yeah. it. Other than that, he's been amazing uh, in terms of his health. Um, can you afford to bring on a Baker Mayfield? Um, listen, man, I don't know because the Buccaneers, I think, uh, if I'm sitting in their front office, they were stung by Antonio Brown. 
Um, that whole experience where the front office really didn't want to bring him in, but they kind of brought him in because they thought it would be good for the team, but they knew he was a headache. You no, know, they, they didn't yeah. bring him in because it would be good for the team. They brought him in because Brady right. said bring him in. Yeah, let's yeah. bottom line that. Well, yeah, but let's face it too. What's good for Brady is good for the team, right? So, and in this um, case, it wasn't. Yeah, but in this case, it wasn't. So I'm saying I'm sure they feel the repercussion of that, you know, where they made a really bad decision and it kind of went south on them. Not kind of, it did go south on them. So do they want another personality like that in their locker room? Like, even though you and listen, I agree with you. We've said it on previous shows. I'm still of the belief that Mayfield was a warrior last season. Like he yeah. was like his, like we talk about him being immature, which is a fair criticism, I think, but in his defense, you know, we forget these are young men sure. who have been isolated and baby their whole lives so when adversity hits and they've never been challenged his reaction to me it's more typical than not it's sure. just we see the superstars who are a coach have agents yeah. they're worth but these players like mayfield now that's common so so i don't hold that against him as much as i hold it against the team for not going see it's a team's job to be babysitter, to be father, to be mentor, right. to be coach, to be all of that. And people go, no, it's not. Yeah, it is. When you grow up in sports, that's kind of how it works. We tend to purposely forget that to bolster our arguments. But that's how a team right. works. They are, in essence, a family unto itself. Right. And listen, I I agree with you. But I would think that the way he played there isn't a player or uh, there are hardly any players in the NFL that wouldn't want Baker Mayfield on their team. Because when a guy goes out, plays with a bum shoulder, is taking hits, but he's still in there. Like, unless you've got a specific beef with him, like say Odell Beckham, right? Unless you have a specific beef with the guy. That was his father who had the beef with Mayfield. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Put Beckham in the middle of it. But yeah. Beckham also responded poorly, too. Well, he's a prima donna. No, no, but what I'm saying is, except for those very specific cases, I doubt you'd find NFL players that go, yeah, we don't want a character like Mayfield on our team. No, you want a guy like that. He's fiery. He's he's tough. He, told, he proved to you that he's going to play through pain for the team. You can't ask for more from a teammate, right? So that's right. So so I don't think it's his personality. I just think it's listen, teams no, like you said it once before perfectly. In the NFL, nobody's there to do favors for anybody else, right? right. So why would you trade for Mayfield when you could pick him up off the market probably really soon uh for a fraction of what his contract calls for right now? Like why pick up an 18 million dollar con- even for a season? Um, there's no point to it, but if he, if he becomes, you know, if he's cut or waived and he becomes a free agent, then you could sign him for whatever you want. You right, know? right, right. No, you know what? I, I agree. Uh, I disagree with everybody on Garoppolo. Everybody goes back to the Brady didn't like him. And that's why he was traded. No, Brady felt threatened by him because nobody knew how long Brady would last. And statistically speaking at his age, when they got Garoppolo, it was a time of a uh, change. And when they saw Brady was still good enough to keep playing new contract and they, and, and the league saw what Garoppolo could do, they traded him and got what a couple of, uh, oh, well, let's face it. The Patriots got a couple of draft picks for a couple of, like think about right, what they did right. with Jacoby Brissett, right? right they right, did so. the same thing, right? As soon as the guy gets into a, a couple of relief games for, for Brady and he does even average all of a sudden, everyone's like, he's the next Brady. He learned under right. Brady, pick him up for a second round pick. You know, they, they did that with um, Matt Castle. 
Yeah, but here's the difference. Castle and Brissett sucked. Garoppolo, <laughs> when healthy, is, is able to produce. And that's what people forget. Very sharp player. Now he's a little older. He's injury prone. And that's the only reason they have Trey Lance is because Garoppolo couldn't stay healthy. That's the only reason, you know. So uh, I don't I, I view all the past as that's the past. And at the end of the day, even Brady has said, yeah, the end is very near. So you're looking at one to two seasons, you know, and, and if it's one season, you've got a ownership in the general manager. General manager has a responsibility to the team and ownership and in a way to the fans to build a winner. Sure. And that general manager, I don't care how good he is, but the hole that he left the Buccaneers in by not having a, a quarterback ready to replace uh, the, the step in with, with Brady uh, is a fireable offense to me. That's not how dynasties. People forget the Steelers had issues with Terry Bradshaw's. Terry Bradshaw, he lost that battle. Now, Mark Malone uh, or Cliff Stout, then Mark Malone, they weren't the greatest, but that team was already spiraling down. The Cowboys had Danny White, again, an aging team, but Danny White was great when he played. So having a succession plan is there. And what Garoppolo does for the Buccaneers is he can immediately step in. You can't say that about Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield, based on his play, how young he is, how raw he is, there's still going to be a learning curve. Now, there'll be a learning curve for Garoppolo, but Garoppolo's shown the maturity, the handle adversity, too, with Trey Lance coming on to get the team behind him. And more importantly, he showed he can go in on the first year with the playbook and be a winner. So so I think Garoppolo would be the better uh, short-term fix, meaning you got a player the minute Brady retires, you got him for the next three to five years. With Mayfield, you got somebody who can sit there and learn, but then you got him maybe for eight to 10 years, you know? So, but to me, if I'm either quarterback and I'm looking at the field of teams out there, I don't want to go to the Panthers. Matt Rule has shown that they only die over there. I don't want to go to the Commanders. Rivera just lucked up into a Super Bowl with a phenomenal defense, but that offense never, ever progressed under him, especially Cam Newton's growth. Cam Newton who was just a big linebacker in the quarterback's body, and they never tie him. Right. Uh, had to be an actual pocket QB to extend his life, you know? And, and to me, that's on Rivera. So who wants to go there? Who wants to go to these, these other teams with similar situations? The Buccaneers seem to be the right team at the right time at the right moment. Okay. I, I like, I, 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 I don't know. I actually, I don't think Garoppolo's heading there. I think Mayfield, there's an outside shot. He heads there. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I'm not saying either. Yeah, I, I like to be honest with you. Mayfield will want to go. If he, if he's cut, he's going to sign with the team that he feels he can start for if, if within the season. So whether that's, it's not going to be Pittsburgh, for example. So whether it's Seattle, whether it's Carolina, you know, whether it's Houston, you know, at some point, you know, I mean, they didn't take him back as part of the trade, but the, he may end up there as a free agent. You never know. Yeah, I got to be honest. Uh, I wouldn't want to be Wiggins, the NFL version, if I'm Mayfield, going to a crappy team, subpar to average coaching staff. <laughs> but sometimes but sometimes life doesn't give you that opportunity, right? So. Look, well, only- in this case, though, he's a bit in the driver's seat. He, if Mayfield got in the right situation, I could see him going, yeah, I'm willing to work a contract. Because right now, he could go to the Browns and go, let's work out a team-friendly contract there. I want to be part of it. He's saying no. No, go he's not going to do that with the Browns. But, I mean. But that's my point. But if he goes into the right situation, he would go trade for me. I'll rework my contract, make it a little bit more salary cap friendly. He, so he does 
have some leverage. He he's not. I mean, right now, what's protecting him is teams don't want to pay that eighteen million dollar salary, and that's right. protecting him from going to crap like the Carolina Panthers right now. Yeah, you know, and they're still trying to pursue him or, or trying to work things out. Sure, and, yeah. and and the Browns are too foolish to understand. You lost this battle, uh, in in terms of uh the war of what you want to do with Baker Mayfield. Yeah. and and right. the, and they've lost the PR battle and they've lost everything about that situation. So, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, does it make sense for them to eat the contract and just consider it dead money and just get rid of them just to get them off the team? It, it may come down to that. It may come right. down to that. Right. Okay. Let's move on to a controversial topic. I don't want to talk about what was said. I want to talk about how he was treated after saying nothing wrong in terms of of, of hate and legalities, First Amendment, and that's right. Jack Del Rio. Jack Del Rio was asked a question. He answered it concerning January 6th. And Jack Del Rio, matter. wait a second, Jack Del Rio is? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm always doing that to John people. Yep. Jack Del Rio is, uh, uh, you know what? I am assuming he's a defensive coordinator. That's what I just kind of assumed he was yeah, yeah. Uh, of the Washington Commanders. Right. Uh, under Ron Rivera. Uh, and a uh, former head coach. Let's also throw that. He that's was a, right. He was a, he was a, player, he was a good head coach. He actually yeah. built the Jacksonville Jaguars up. His problem was the same as many other head coaches. He did not have an elite quarterback, but he made David Gerard look elite at times. Byron Leff, yeah. which was always a disappointment. I think Jack Del Rio saw that right away when he's looking to replace him. I was never a Leftwich fan based off his small college coming, his attitude, right. and then his actual performance. Uh, but that said, uh, David Gerard came in, workman like a blue-collar type quarterback. But I think that team lacked the quarterback to take it to the next level. And then when he went to the Raiders, they were just dysfunctional. It was Raiders yeah. he went to, I think. Yeah. Yep. And he was just dysfunctional. So he's a defensive coordinator. Ask him about January 6th. He gives what I believe was the right question. And you and I have discussed this, whereas you want to believe a lot of what's going on. And I'm like, I don't believe anything. Why? Because the other side hasn't been able to present anything. Uh, Democrats talk about, oh, actually, I'm going to stop because we're talking about Jack Del Rio. But that's how contentious this issue is. So he gave his honest answer. And then the honest answer wasn't good enough for leftists. So they attacked him. And we well, both... his answer was, and, you know, his answer was it was a dust-up. He referred to the January 6th riots slash insurrections, whatever you want to call them. Uh, he referred to them as a dust-up and basically was fined by Ron Rivera, the head coach. For 100K. For 100,000. Yeah, 100 grand for calling it a dust-up. That, that was the incident, and... Um, and I got news. Hundreds of millions of us believe it was a dust up when you compare it to BLM, when you compare it to all these riots where, pro where billions in property were destroyed, and even worse, human beings were maimed, injured, and even killed. You know, the only person that was killed in the Capitol incident was a defenseless five foot uh, woman. And now videos coming out. We're the cops. We need help here from, from, from the people they say we're creating insurrection. My point, that's what I believe. But my bottom line is we need to hear all the evidence, including 12,000 uh, hours of video that they refused to release. So there's a lot of issues here. He gave his opinion, but because of cancel culture, because the media is dominated by race hustlers and would-be wannabe white elitist reporters who are hacks, and I know that for a fact, having worked with uh, close to 100 of them in a 10-year period, maybe even more, uh, it was slanted against him. 
and Ron Rivera, I believe, uh, uh, is nothing but a Democratic plantation overseer in finding him for him expressing his belief when asked a question. He did not come out. See, that's my issue, John. He did not come out and go, hey, I want to talk about the insurrection. He was asked. So Rivera is saying, you should have lied. You should have lied and not, not, not shown your beliefs. Well, and that makes him swine in my eyes, Rivera. Well, I don't know. Rivera, look, by finding them and chastising them, that's what Rivera is really saying. Well, listen, I... I mean, you certainly have your beliefs of what happened on January 6th. I have mine, and they're not the same. So, you know, without without getting into... Huh? In defense of both of us, we don't have the full facts. You always see this. I mean, the Capitol Police yesterday came out and said, no, what they said at the the first night's TV thing or second night's is not true. And you know what the panel did? They doubled down on it. So they're telling the people who are in charge of it uh, 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 that you... That this tour uh, 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 that we say was ma- uh, ma- 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 how do you say that word ma- malevolent. Thank you, big guy. <laughs> uh, uh, they're saying was not. It was uh, just a tour, you know. So well, listen, there's there, there's a lot of back and forth, and there's a lot of things. Like I said, we're not going to agree on it because the main figure in that whole thing with Trump, we both have vastly different opinions on. So even though you and I can agree on. 90% of what we discussed, this is one of those things we'll never agree on. I view Trump as a traitor. And you right. view him, I view, view Trump. <laughs> you view Trump as a hero. I view him. No, as- I don't view him as a hero. I view him as a fighter who gave us the lowest unemployment rate for minorities that have struggled under democratic rule for decades upon decades upon decades. You're a data guy. And, and that's what I tell you, look at the data, but you won't because you I, I look at the data and the inflation we have now is due to the highest debt that, that we've ever had Trump. in history. That started before Trump. No, it you started before. Listen, it started before Trump, but Trump is the one who pushed it over the edge combined no, with not. his artificial goosing of the rates, keeping no, them at zero not. with the Fed. He did. So no, he it, did it is what it is. And it happened. It's happened now. You know, people people seem to think gas only went up on the January 20th when Biden took office. No, that's not true. That's not true. We knew it was a slow burn, you know, but gas was two bucks and something cents when Trump was in office. It was two bucks and something cents when Bush was in office. And when Obama took I know this, I I follow the data. When Obama took office, it jumped up to five dollars when Biden and his policies uh, the same thing. These are based off policies. The inflation started well before during, uh, 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 I would even go as far as saying there's probably some type of data out there that kind of shows from the Bush's final couple of years, uh, 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 inflation. Uh, well, inflation, in, in. well, listen, yeah. inflation has been low basically because of artificial rates. Right, 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 right. And that's how but, they protected Obama. And also Trump and, no, and Bush. No, they did not protect Trump with that. Sure they did, of course. They did not. Did William, the Dewey, LIBOR Dewey rate was... Did, when did they stop printing money? Did they stop printing money when Trump took office? Or did no. They, keep printing money? They, they doubled... They, more money was printed during Trump's uh, office than in every other administration combined. Now, <laughs> the debt went up. That's a given. Yeah, and, and part of that is that you're constantly... Yeah, listen, they had all that stimulus. Where do you think all that money came from? So not only were you incurring debt, you were incurring it with worthless dollars that you were printing. See, I don't put that on Trump. Trump was put in a corner. You either give this money away that Congress... 
that Congress, the Democratic Congress, was forcing. Listen, Obama had a Republican. Obama no, that's had how a Republic. politics work. No, but I that's know how but, politics work. But you don't apply that logic to Obama having a Republican. No, no, Congress. no. I, I'm not. I'm saying you're putting all the blame on Trump, and sure, Trump has to take some of it, but you're putting it all on him. There's very no, facts. no. It's not all. And, and as far it's, as Obama, it's not all. Uh, he did have uh, the Congress. You know, he had, a he, had a he had a Republican. He had a from the get go. If you like your doctor, you can keep the doctor. That's but why that has I nothing give him to no do credit. With, but that has he nothing. Never told the truth from day one. But that has listen. Nobody talks out of both sides of his mouth more than Trump. Now this Obama goes before. This goes before Biden he does. Are you president. saying? Are you trying to tell us that Trump talked more out of the sides of his mouth than Biden or sure. Obama? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, boosh, boosh. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, let's get back to Jack Del Rio. Let's get back to Jack Del Rio. <laughs> like I said, this, like this I said, look, gentlemen, there's one person that's such a polarizing figure, even for us, and that's Trump. And to the point and how it relates to Jack Del Rio, um, I don't agree with Del Rio's assessment. Like, I think it was an insurrection. I, wait, wait, but that's beside the point. No, no, that's what I was going to say. I disagree with it, but... I find it disingenuous, just like you said, that the guy refers to it as a dust up and he gets fined a hundred grand. Now, it, well, uh, again, John, it doesn't matter what you refer to it. Yeah. Well, it, it you're right. I agree. But listen, he could have said they were all saints and that was still within his right. The, what's the problem is what I'm trying to pin you down to admit. Well, so the, the problem, problem I'll tell you what the problem is. The problem is whether he was aware of it or not. And I, we don't know if he was or not. It went against what his employer wanted to hear. That's Bingo. it. So, That's so, it. so they, so, so in essence, they were saying, "This is what you're going to say." Now that can fly in the military because when you sign your life away, they have the but, right to actually do that. Right. Not there. I, I don't agree with it myself, right? Because you know, I and I can't say this often enough. Not only am I a First Amendment advocate, I'm a free speech advocate. I'm a free speech absolutist. So. I couldn't care less if it's the government or anybody else. I believe in in free speech. And I'm one of those people that believes, like, give Nazis the right to speak. Give communists the right to speak. Give conservatives the right to speak. I couldn't care less. Everyone gets to talk. Why? Because if my ideas that I think are good cannot convince people that they're good ideas based on just the, their ideas, then I have no right to shut someone up. I, and I have no right, okay? Now, well, I but, agree with you 100%. Right, but you and I both know, and we both know as small business owners, there are times where for the benefit of your business, you say, I don't want my employees publicly saying certain things. Right, this doesn't fall in that category, John. Well, I, I, I was going to say, I know that, Rivera clearly doesn't feel that know, right. Let's get a clear example. Yeah. You're the employer. Jack, don't be bad mouthing the opponent we're going to play next week. You know, we don't need to hear that. I'm telling you, don't do it or there are consequences because that falls under the team. You know, right. getting it, you know, it, it clearly falls under. Okay, I won't say it. But this was an added blue question, not related to football, you know, and, 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 and sure, they, I, I, yeah, and, and I, they didn't want him not to give that answer right. uh, uh, because they didn't believe in the answer. They wanted to give the answer because they didn't want any flack, which is kind of what happened. And he doubled down. So something happened in that conversation with uh, the swine known as Rivera, 
uh, who, who, who just told him to, to, to shut it. I think Jack Del Rio said, this isn't worth the bother because he deleted his Twitter account. He's a multimillionaire. He said, but here's the victory for Jack Del Rio. Per Rivera, he's talking to his players are coming up to him. That's how going to your point, which I wholeheartedly believe in my heart and agree with with 100%. Uh, it doesn't matter how badly articulate we are. It's incumbent on us to sell our ideas, to right. convince that other person. And I firmly believe one-on-one from a Jack Del Rio to that young black man to challenge him to go, look, you're a role model. We just talked about role models. Kids look up to you. Did, 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 did somebody give you this position through affirmative action? No, you earned it. How did you earn it? By working your tail off. And that's what you need to teach. And then talk about the other politics at all. Because I'm like you, John. I believe uh, uh, you bring the case uh, of ideas. Uh, you're going to win. That's why I have issues with fundamentalists. It's like we talk about ideas, ideas, and ideas. And then when it comes to the pro-life, uh, pro-choice argument, they don't want an idea. They want the big government, the seven, just like leftists do. So yeah. I think that's what makes you and I not unique because I want to say most libertarians are like that, but I, I've met a lot of libertarians and they show their side leftists and rightists. And when you say it doesn't exist and I'm like, but I see it, you know? Yeah, so well, I think people yeah, like I, you and I are unique. Yeah. We're willing to sacrifice ourselves or some of are not. We're well, willing I, to. I, I've never been of the belief that you, and I think I told you this about 20 years ago, I swore I would never vote against anyone again in my life. I would only vote for people. In other words, there's to me, there's no such thing of vote for Trump because Clinton is worse. Vote for Biden because Trump is worse. I don't believe believe in any of that anymore because I am I am agreeing in my mind to evil, regardless whether I think it's a big evil or a little evil, it doesn't matter to me. So I swore to myself 20 years ago, and I told you this, William, I've showed you the pictures of my ballot. Yeah. If, if there's nobody that I want to vote for, I write in my own name. Oh, yeah, yeah. Actually, you know, name. that's illegal. You know, that's technically illegal. <laughs> no, it's not. In New York, you could write in your own name. It's just a week. No, I, I think it is illegal. They were talking oh, no, you can write it. in. You can write in your own name. There's a spot oh, for people that. People do, but I think technically it's illegal. No, you no, know, it's just going to charge you or pursue No, you. no, it, it, it means that that vote's not counted. If it's not an approved write-in candidate, yeah, it means you. it's not counted. But you can write in your name as a protest, right? So... Um, I, I do that. And I've showed people that and they're like, Oh no, I can't tell you just as an aside, how many people yell at me, Trump supporters in particular, who will say, do you realize libertarians cost Trump the, the vote in Michigan? Do you realize that Trump supporters, uh, libertarians cost Trump the vote in Wisconsin? I hope you're proud of yourself. I'm like, yeah, why do you, why do you assume that the libertarian vote defaults to the Republicans? If, 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 Joe Jorgensen wasn't running. That's ridiculous. I still wouldn't have voted for Trump. If I couldn't find anyone to vote for, I might have just stayed home. And right. I and people just and I find it amazing that people cannot grasp this concept that you have to either default to R's or D's. I oh I never understood that because to me, replacing a Democrat with a lousy Republican is no victory. And vice right, versa. Right. No, you're right. Right. So to me, if the guy or, or gal does not represent me, I'm not going to vote for them. And I don't care how bad 
the other person might be. I just won't vote for either of them. And I know a lot of people who voted for Trump initially in 2016 who said to me very clearly, we don't like Trump, but we hate Hillary Clinton. Oh, no, 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 no. See, and I mean, you're, you're right. I agree. I don't view it exactly like that because there are lesser of evils and you have to pick and choose. But from, I think what happens is everybody makes the lesser of two evils the common practice when that should really be just the exception when you have to go that route. Because we're, we're, it, it's each situation is different. And I voted for Trump and held my nose, uh, but it was Clinton's policies. You know, uh, I didn't want Trump, but I had no other option. But I wanted him more than I wanted Hillary because I we had seen Hillary's policies, and I never forgot this. And I mentioned to you this in the past. They're the ones who who China exists as they do today because of the Clintons. The Clintons were their biggest allies in getting them into the WTO, selling our secrets to them, giving them some of our rocket secrets. Never prosecuted for it. So, uh, uh, but that said, I'm the same way. People get angry at me, and I'm like, I've had it with you. The reason that I don't do the lesser two evils politically anymore is simplistic. Look at California. We got the lesser two evils every time we would vote for a rhino Republican here, and eventually the rhino couldn't separate himself with the Democrat, and the Democrats started voting more for their own candidates. And we're a deep blue state because we weren't given a choice. People want a choice. They don't want Democrat and then Democrat light. They're going to vote for Democrat every time. You're not going to sway a Democrat uh, uh, voter to vote for Democrat light because the Republican. That's kind of right. what happened, and we lost California. And that's my whole point. With uh, when you vote the lesser two evils in politics, what you're doing if the Republican gets elected, you're voting for a slower death. With Democrats, we've seen it. With Obama, we've seen it. With Biden, we saw it with Carter. You know, you get these policies that immediately start to affect uh, the country. Whereas with a Republican, uh, it's going to take much longer. But it's and, and, and it's the, the and same issues. I agree with you, but you're viewing it from the prism of a Republican. Imagine viewing it from the person like myself who views it as you're either down with liberty or you're not. No, and, I view it from data, John. No, no, I'm saying, I'm saying, your principle. You're viewing it like, okay, it's either Democrat light, it's a, fa it's a faster death with a Democrat as opposed to a slower death with a lousy Republican or whatever. For me, it's, I couldn't care less which one of the two it is, right? Because to me, in most cases, with rare exception, um, the, both the Democrat and the Republican are quick deaths. That there's like, there hasn't been a president since Clinton and that only happened largely through deadlock and through the line, line item veto, which doesn't exist anymore. Um, there hasn't been a president who's lowered the debt. Even Reagan, under right, his right, right, right. Reagan did not lower the debt. And the yeah. number one, the number one problem we have in this country is the debt. The debt and spending is the reason for inflation. It's the reason for why we have these idiotic. Uh, lobbyists and why we have like everything being sold out, why corporations are, right? So to me, it all starts and ends with the debt, taxation, all that stuff has to do with the money we owe to the, and, and the Federal Reserve needs to be abolished and all that fun stuff, right? I agree with the Federal Reserve, but I'll disagree so, on Reagan. Reagan, it's like when he opened the door into the United States, I mean, 75% tax rates and the rich weren't paying that. They were finding loopholes. The economy from Carter was in shambles. It was horrible. 
I mean, and most importantly, we were at the height of a code war and it was peaking and he knew how to beat him. And you have to make a sacrifice in war. We were at, we were in a cold war at the time. That's something you learn in the military. Something you learn in like when you run a small business and your yeah. budget starts to go up and down. Yeah. So for example, we were working with uh, early on with like half a million dollars in KFFL as a budget, you know. And we're like, man, we're still working at the garage here. That's a lot of money. So you, you have to start to prioritize the lesser of evils in your business in terms of what do you spend your money on that may or may not work. And that was what was Reagan was in. So certain presidents, I'm not going to fall uh, based on what they inherit. Well, Others, I will because, well, yeah. because they come in and they make it worse or they destroy what was accomplished. I, 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 don't disagree, I don't disagree with you. Listen, Carter's administration was good for one reason only. It, it disproved empirically the Keynesian fallacy that you couldn't have concurrent inflation and unemployment. Like the Keynesians for years said, okay, well, with all this government spending, we're trading inflation for unemployment, unemployment, you know, and their formula, their famous monetary consumption formula and all that bull crap, right? The Carter administration, the late 70s, that's how we got stagflation as a word, right? Exactly, stagflation. What's well, that mean, for the crowd? Stagnation meaning high unemployment and deflation comes from inflation. So you had stagflation, you know. Yeah. Thank um, you, Jimmy Carter. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, to be fair, it's all Keynesians because even Nixon did it. Um, even, you know, Nixon took us off the gold standard. There, if there's any one argument for inflationary policies, it's that, right? So that's my issue. Nobody talks about it. I'm like, he took us off the gold standard, and it seems to me just from a layman, just outsider, I don't know anything. Uh, I mean, I do. I, I research, but say I don't know anything. It doesn't take a rocket science to go, hey, how come all these issues? And now we got 10 zillion millionaires. It was at the time millionaires, sprout paper millionaires sprouting out. It's, it completely changed how we live our lives. Well, it took you from a deflationary currency to an inflationary yeah. currency. That's yeah. all there is to it. But that, in your defense, John. Yeah. I, uh, how I defended Reagan and what he inherited, Trump could have done some things to where the 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 the, the debt didn't balloon up, but he refused to challenge yep. the I, rhinos I in public and the strength of the Democrats once they took. Well, over. also you're you're talking first of all, Reagan his first six years did an incredible job with the economy. And what people forget about that, because they only remember the good part, right? The greatest ex peacetime expansion in history and all that, right? Like what they forget is the first two, three years of Reagan's administration, there were people calling to impeach him because interest rates, because you know why Reagan listened to the one man on the planet who knew how to cure the U.S. economy. And that was Milton Friedman. Milton he Friedman, actually yeah. brought in Milton Friedman and said, OK, Milton, you did this for Chile. If you could do it for Chile, do it for the U.S. And Milton Friedman said, you know what you got to do? Nothing. Let the free market take care of stuff. Let interest rates hit 13, 14, 15 percent. People forget mortgages back then for three years. If you bought a mortgage in the early 80s, if you got a mortgage, you were stuck, man. 13, 14, 15 percent interest. It just wasn't the time to buy a house, and people had to accept that. But what happened afterwards? Markets equilibrated. Then he brought down the tax rates. You know, and I could go into this whole well, the economic... tax rates were at seventy five percent for some common people who were well, just the top, the, the wrong top, package. yeah, the top nominal rate was it was 70, 70 72%. Yeah. And and it was like it, 60%. I mean, John, we're talking brought it down to fifty. That's yeah. how, you know, so so but 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 what happened to Reagan unfortunately is by his second term, he listened to, to the wrong people. 
he listened to Congress basically, and he and, he uh, he allowed them to spend uh, on the deficit, and not well, for, not just for the of, war. He made a mistake of, of believing Congress, and, and an easy example to validate what I'm saying is the immigration. Uh, uh, the Democrats promised something after he passed immigration. They never came through in terms of closing the border or something like that. <laughs> That's when he said, I'll never trust the Democrats. But I also believe, sadly... But the Republicans uh, sold them out, too, because they, no, they, they, ran, right. they ran a deficit. Yeah. I also believe, sadly, that uh, his final two years, dementia was starting to set in. Uh, I worked in that industry. Yeah. I never looked at it or studied it. But per what people say, uh, uh, you don't really notice it early on. And then something triggers you to notice, whoa, he just did. Well, they, were, they were, after the Berlin Wall speech, it was basically like, just keep him hidden. And Nancy, between Nancy and uh, Baker and, and Haig and all those guys, they were just like, just keep him out of the limelight. But the but truth, I, yeah. but anyway, we strayed a lot. My point was that, um, that every president has unfortunately raised the debt since Nixon. And, in, and it's all been in the service of winning votes right? We need a program. Now, to me, I don't make a distinction between, well, we have a program for uh, welfare, or we have a program for subsidizing uh, the soy farmers, to subsidizing tariffs, to any of that nonsense. That is government spending that's unnecessary to me. And, no, I agree. I agree. And, and, and listen, let's be honest. Trump, you know Trump was the king of debt as a businessman, right? Yeah, that's true. That's what true. did he do? His, he would boast that he he was in debt more than he had. He would walk around New York boasting that. Well, it um, cost him his second his second his second uh, uh, bankruptcy. Uh, people don't realize was because he didn't have cash flow to pay those debts off. Yeah, you know, he couldn't make interest down to. And you're yeah. right. I I look at the overall bigger pictures. I like to say again, I will always go to the economy. The greatest economy we've seen in our time. Now that said, I'm not an idiot. The unemployment rate. Uh, Obama changed the standard of how we uh, 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 report that in order to get at a double-digit true unemployment that we were at to sh pretend we're in single digits. And and Trump used that. So people say, oh, 0% to 3%. We were really more like 7 to 8%, you know, higher. And even now, who knows what it would be now. But that's a politics of lying, and it's incumbent on us, the people, to see through that. The problem is the ones who do, like we do, nobody listens to us. Oh, yeah, listen, I, I, yeah, work participation rate was the real thing to look at because- Well, yeah, that, that, that was the whole key, John, of and when they switched it, that's what changed. They started taking people who goes, yeah, I worked two days last week. Have you worked since then? Oh, no. Uh, and then that's a formula. Well, that qualifies as he's employed. You know, and I'm like, no, I'm being extreme in the example. Oh, I know what you're saying, point. but you're right. Listen, I'm a, I'm a data scientist and uh, Will Rogers had it right, man. There's lies, damn lies, and statistics. And That's right. And, and, a bunch and, of good quotes. Yeah. John, we'll, real oh, quick yeah, there. Yeah. What's your take on it's just a it's just a yes or no in the from the perspective uh they did it whether they had the right to do it or not doesn't matter but was jack del rio treated fairly by his own uh bosses in terms he was asked a question no. and the answer his belief no. was no. yeah see and to me this this is why we're 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 we're, we're snowballing and it's going to turn into an avalanche of a terrible country where our kids lose their rights because nobody's challenging this. And where's the ACLU to go, Jack? We need to talk. You have the right to say that. They have well, the right well again, it's a very touchy subject because listen, I don't think it was right. And at worst, at worst, he should have been pulled aside by 
Uh, whoa, 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 whoa. You're saying the First Amendment is a touchy subject. It's pretty black and white. No, no, no. What I mean, no, no. What I meant to say, you didn't let me finish. Um, Del Rio had every right. Obviously, he had every right to say what he said. <laughs> but the way I, if I'm, if I'm Rivera, and for whatever reason, I don't want that said on while you're an employee of the commanders, I pull him aside. I don't find him a hundred grand, but I pull him aside and say, listen, that sort of nonsense, or in my view, I don't want you saying it. So from now on, you go out and apologize right now because that's our policy, right? And if you don't like it, you don't. You could go say it, but you can't work for us when you say it. And that, yeah, no, no, that's completely wrong because he was asked a question. I don't disagree with Rivera you. Rivera has no right to tell him, this is what you're going to say because this is what I believe. That's well, like a white KKK man dictating to a black man in the 60s. This is what you're going to say, boy. Yeah, if you, if you, if you worked to. for me, you would, listen, William, I ask you just very practically, if one of your employees was asked a question and they said, yeah, like all Republicans blow, all libertarians blow, I really wish we would just see the light and become AOC uh, followers, right? Or I wish Bernie Sanders were president, right? Well, that doesn't pertain because our whole business is built on politics. But it's, to, it's, but, but, but it's, but it's the same thing. Found. Let's yeah. say it was KFL. I would sit down and say, dude, why bring trouble? Right. Uh, and, I'm and that's what I'm saying. Guys, I'm not going to uh, find you. But if they ask a question, say, look, guys, what's that got to do with my job? And that's what I'm why saying. Why you ask me a question about my job? <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. I, if so I were, You were saying, I don't we, I don't believe this nonsense. This is what you're going to say. That's what you just said. Right, you right. But, well, them, no, no. But what, what I meant to say is that if I'm Rivera, I wouldn't have fined him. But and I wouldn't have made a public thing out of it. I would have just exactly. pulled. I would have pulled Rio side and said, "Listen, if you can't say what we want you to say or what we prefer you say, then say nothing at all." And exactly. and, I, and I would have just phrased it like that. If they ask you about politics, you say, "I'm not here to talk about politics. I'm here to talk about the commander's defense. Let's talk about uh, 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 who's their defensive lineman." There, oh, oh Allen, John, if, if anything deserved to be chastised. I would have backed Rivera up if he had gone. Why'd you even answer the question? What's it have to do with football? Why, right. Jack? Why? Right. That right. Rivera has every right to say. I agree. Your job agree. is defensive coordinator. Yeah. You brought this on. Now we got to clean it up. Yeah, know? it's it's funny because um, in 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 sort of insisting that it wasn't a political statement, he made it a political statement by finding him the hundred grand. Yeah. So. Yeah. And, and um, again. I've lost all respect for Rivera. He's nothing but swine in my eyes because everything that black Americans have had to deal with, he imposed on Jack Del Rio uh, for political expediency. You know, And at the end of the day, people suffer. And it's not Jack Del Rio who's going to suffer. It's the other jerk who's going to do it to a working class employee or somebody says it in a different setting uh, because they're asked a question, uh, that kid could get fired. You know, uh, Jack Rio's not going to get fired. And even if he did, he's a multimillionaire anyway. See, so that, I, again, I go back to the bigger picture and I look at the ripple effect with stuff like this. And the ripple effect is clear. His First Amendment right was taken away there by by being fined. Yeah, because if he said I, that I, again, I, they, I, they would I, fire him. Well, what you would, I yeah. I mean, look, technically his free speech was taken away. But look, I mean, you said you'd like to live in the practical world. If I work for one of my clients, I can't come out and even without being explicitly told. But I, I just can't... told you what the practical answer. No, no, but I'm but I'm saying like as a, a, as 
I, as an adult, working as as a consultant for somebody, for example, let, and I don't work for them, so so I'm using an example totally. Let's say I work for Starbucks, right? I'm a consultant for Starbucks, and I go to Starbucks, and I'm working with Starbucks, and I start posting on social media, man, these unions, this unionization is bull crap. But Joe, man, they should You're just be proactive. You're being no, proactive to do that. Or Jack if someone was asked a question, if someone were to ask me, what do you think of the unionization efforts? And I said, they're bull crap. After the CEO came out and said, we're, we're behind this, right? Yeah. Like I should expect to be fired. No, I should, no, I should didn't. listen should to be me. expected to be talked to first. Talk to fire discipline, pick anyone. I should have something now. The degree of which we can we can quibble about. Now, see, you're trying to put absolute. I should expect to be fired. No, uh, somebody should go. This is a practicality of life, bro. Well, Would you say that there? though? If huh? someone asked you a question about your employer that and you knew the answer you want to give is not the answer your employer wants to hear. Oh, I have been in that situation. And what have you done? You know, I've sat there and said, hey, I work for this company or, or to that lines. What's this got to do with my job? Or there you go. That, that's me on my pay grade. And why this did you do that? It's apples and oranges. Why did you, you know? do that, though? It's apples and oranges. The NFL is structured completely different. Lord, they, dear Lord, they got so many. <laughs> they got Beep. so many freaking, uh, uh, breaks from the government itself. That I think that's what I, I start to rage at now. It's they're given a lot of breaks that other companies don't get, and they abuse it. And because they're rich elitists, these owners, they get away with a lot of crap. And it's and not that I feel sorry for Jack Del Rio. I don't. I feel sorry for the fact that we're losing our right to express ourselves and getting canceled. Jack Del Rio is just the latest of uh, of taking that right away. And the finding of Jack Del Rio is, is them hammering him. Instead of taking this, as you said, and I said, private, off, uh, off camera, dude, why'd you do this? Okay, we're just gonna drop it. Any other questions? Look, that's a political question. I shouldn't have answered it in the first place. You got a question on our defense that we're putting? Ask it. And problem solved. Instead, the swine known as Rivera escalated it, as you said, by finding it, he made it political, and he, even worse, what he said is, you cannot voice your your, uh, uh, your free uh, 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 First Amendment right if you disagree with us politically. Again, a swine. And as a Latino, he's a piece of bleep. You know? And I, as a Latino, look at him in disgrace, disillusionment, and honestly, the day he's out of the limelight, the world is a better place. Okay. All right. Let's but we should move, we should we should move on because for a five minute yeah, everybody topic, that's my belief not that, took, that took an hour almost yeah. it's not longer let's so talk something something we can all agree on what's or that can we what's that pizza what John, about do you pizza? like pizza I love pizza who doesn't love pizza we all love pizza communists don't like pizza no I think the communists <laughs> like pizza too in fact in fact in fact. What's that? Isn't that how the the, the 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 communism fell? The introduction of jeans, pizza, heart it, to heart. It was it was, Levi, it was it was Levi's, uh, Coca Cola, and rock and roll that brought Coca down the Soviet Union. Yeah. Uh, but 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 who doesn't eat pizza without Coke? It's Coke and pizza. <laughs> it's the American way, brother. All right, Pizza Hut or Little Caesars? Who do you prefer? I prefer I prefer a hot poker in my eyes rather than eat any of that crap. 
that is not pizza. That is cardboard with some red ketchup on it or something. That's not pizza, my man. There's only one pizza in this universe, and it originates and stays within the five boroughs of New York City. That's all there is. There's no such thing as pizza anywhere else. First of all, you you hippies out in California have somehow decided that putting fruit on pizza is something that's not an affrontery to God himself, okay? Pineapples and, and cherries and whatever the hell else you put on there. That is not pizza. You know what that is? That is an abomin abomination to God himself. I believe the Catholic Church has issued an encyclical on this matter, and it is not allowed. If you're a Catholic, you can't have pineapple on your pizza, bro. That's all there is to it. And I can almost hear, I'll short circuit it right now. That's from the left coast, from the middle of the country. You have some people who eat pizza with a spoon in Chicago. Dish pizza. It's not even dish pizza. You know what it is? It's just warm soup in a crust bowl. That's all it is. If you need utensils to eat a slice of pizza, it, it ain't pizza. That's all there is to it. You know what's good pizza? Pizza is when you go to the corner. Some guy named Sal is there. He's flipping it around in the air. Nice, thin. You put a little bit of tomato sauce on that. Nicey, nice with some oregano, garlic. Then you put some mozzarella cheese on it. Nothing else. None of this American cheese and other crap on it. Just mozzarella. You just put that on. Then I am, I am a rebel because I will allow that you could put sausage, pepperoni, anchovies on it. That's acceptable. Uh, anchovies? Anchovies is acceptable. Mushrooms, for example, and black olives. Uh, uh, that's that's, that ain't pizza. right. That ain't yeah, right. John, I'm in agreement with you in terms of the type of pizza. <laughs> I have a friend who uh, worked for, uh, was like a district manager, managed like five or six of a chain called California Pizza Kitchen. Yes. And, and they had some great pizza. But their specialty is all these oddball pizzas, you know, this pizza, that pizza. I'm a simple guy. Pepperoni, mushroom, onion, pepperoni, bell pepper, uh, mushrooms, uh, mushrooms. I like my mushrooms on there. Uh, anything else is not. But let me tell you a little story here, brother. Is First that... of all, we're talking about this, America, because the NFL switched from Pizza Hut to Little Caesars. They have a little, little Caesars, Little Caesars, or however they say it. it's really cute. But their pizza is cardboard. But when you are an up-and-coming worker in this world, in this country, that $5 for two pizza makes it taste like gold. But that oh. said, I did go to a little street corner with a guy who looked like Sal. And I said, man, I'm starving. Give me four slices. So I pulled out my wallet. This is pre-COVID without the big inflation. Are you talking about Manhattan right now, Times Square? Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is a bit uh, when a uh, uh, pre-COVID Prices are good. Economy's doing well. And the guy goes out, that'll be $28. And then to make it worse, they have the tip jar right there. It, you know, I made a deal. I said, give me four slices. What I wanted to say was like, take that pizza and shove it up your bleep for $20, $27. Then I get the pizza. It flops down. Uh, oh, the crust. Now I understand why you guys have to fold the damn thing. And then I burned my arm on all the grease. And granted, once the grease came off, I lost about a pound of the slice. You know, I, and in that moment, I was like the most overrated pizza I've ever had in the world. Now I'm exaggerating. Yeah. But my point is, is 
You can get good pizza anywhere. You can get bad pizza anywhere. But John and I are in agreement as to what constitutes a pizza. Because I'm with you. I have nothing against the deep dish pizza. To each their own is my philosophy. If you want anchovies, to each their own. If you want pineapple, which I'm shocked at how popular that is, to each their own. But to me, a true pizza is basic. Great cheese, pepperoni, one or two different toppings of your choice, and that's that at a fair price. I will honestly, John, yeah. I made a decision. I've stuck to it because I've gone to New York uh, multiple times and said I will never order a pizza in New York City. That's how bad my 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 my, my uh, 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 event was with it. Now, in their defense. It was two in the morning, <laughs> but that place was packed, John. Sure. Well, New York never, New and, York and never shuts defense, down. So supply yeah. and demand, their yeah. defense, supply and demand. But I have never bought a, a, a slice of pizza in New York since well, then, and well, I probably never will. Well, let me tell you, brother. Next time you're here in New York, uh, hopefully soon, I'll take you to some places that that'll blow your socks off. But I will give props out. Typically, when you think of pizza in New York, you think, uh, of course, of of the pure Ita New York Italians, uh, may, you know, with the corner pizzeria and the home oh, yeah. delivery with the, with the hot. Yeah. Um, some of that's been co-opted a little bit by some Greek guys, maybe some Spaniards, other Mediterranean nations, you know, but I will give you a secret out of Brooklyn in New York. There's been this cadre of Russian immigrants and they started opening pizza shops where the pizza was out of this freaking world amazingly good like rivaling that of the old school italian pizzerias and i asked the russian guy once and this is a secret folks so listen into it i asked him i said what makes this because theirs was like crispy and chewy but still thin it wasn't yeah. thick so it was really that thing where you have to fold it and listen if you're a new yorker there's a reason why you want your pizza to fold because it's terrible pizza i know no, it's because you never sit while you're eating it. You're always running somewhere. Oh, that know? makes sense. You know, and, so you, and for the audience, I am just kidding. I might of course, take, yeah. But that did happen like that, and I did I believe spread it. it off. But I don't put that experience on New York City. I have <laughs> had that experience in, in Panama. Well, let me in, tell in you, Diego, I, in other places. I've frequented Chicago many times, and I've tried. I honestly have tried to like their deep dish concoction. I refuse to call it pizza. And I've yet to find anything where I honestly was not sick the next day. So I just cannot abide by it. I'll abide by their other stuff. They have some great food. Don't get me wrong, right? They're, 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 hot, dogs, um, they're hot dogs. Aren't they they're hot, those hot dogs crowd? with the weird pickle wedge and onions. Yeah. That's great. I also love their Italian beef and pepper sandwiches. Those things are out of this world. Like a okay, really okay, good okay. Italian beef, you know? What about San Diego or California? What do you like about their food? To be honest with you, and this is going to sound weird, I've <laughs> never set foot in California. Is so, it because you, is it you never set foot, or or they or they said don't come here? <laughs> could be both, uh, but uh, not consciously. Just my travels, believe it or not, have never taken me to California. So, like the closest I've come is Oregon, uh, uh, Washington, Seattle, Washington. I've been to Portland, Oregon, because that's where my business interests have taken me. I've been to Nevada. I've been to Arizona. But I haven't been to California, which sounds weird. You would think at least once I'd be in California, but I've never been there. California um, is a beautiful state, but it's yeah. a nightmare to live in right now. That's, I mean, that's, that's, that's what you hear. But yeah. to your point, I have been in these outposts like Wisconsin, 
where the only food available has been a little Caesars or a Pizza Hut, you know, and you fly in after a five, six hour flight. But John, you figured the pizza would be half decent there with the cheese. They're the cheese capital of the world. Yeah, it's horrible. It's horrible. Like I cannot, like I've chosen to starve rather than order Pizza Hut. I, I can't eat that I, stuff anymore. You know, I've learned to accept food for what it is and enjoy it at that moment because yeah. when you're hungry, anything can taste good. Listen, I, if you're really hungry, you're right. But listen, uh, listen, I've sworn off McDonald's for the most part. I've sworn off yeah, Burger King. I've sworn off KFC. None of that oh, stuff. Oh, KFC's the worst now. Yeah. So I had like, a friend who worked there, John, and when they made everything homemade, and uh, uh, he loved his job. His dad worked there. He worked there. He was a young kid. That wasn't yeah. his life's work. But he used to have to make the potato salad and the coleslaw and uh, uh, everything was fresh. He goes, when Pepsi bought it, uh, everything went automated. I mean, the, the frozen stuff would be brought or, you know, the stuff in yeah. trucks. And that I actually had, I refuse to have Kentucky Fried Chicken. It used to be one of my favorites because it's just grease now. You know, it's just nothing but grease. And it's terrible to see the colonel so denigrated after his death. Mm -hmm. Him his 12, 12 or 13 herbs yeah. and spices. Yeah. You know, what, you know what I do love though? Before we wrap up, I will say this. I do believe every region has its excellent food. Like all right. kinds aside. Like I, I, I will not change my position on pizza, but like, for example, I love barbecue. So if whenever I go to Kansas city or, or Austin, or well, that's the Southern thing is, I mean, that's where they're known, but yeah. barbecue is just Chicago. Chicago has that sweet barbecue. St. Louis has the sweeter barbecue. Kansas city has the drier, smokier barbecue. Carolina has the more mustard based barbecue. No yeah, dude. So if I were to come to you, this is the place I would, this is what I would tell you. I would say, take me to whatever you think is good, but take me someplace where they hate white people coming in to eat. Yeah, you know, it's. I was just thinking it. I was thinking, you know, this is going to sound stereotypical, and I don't mean it to, but I because I'm not a barbecue uh, connoisseur. It's too messy. I don't think the flavor. Mm -hmm. It's just not my cup of tea. But I eat it because it was part, it's good. It's part of the 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 the, the, the world in the South. But every great barbecue place we went to was Black-owned in North Carolina, that me and my friends. Now, granted, the friends who took me, they tended to be Black, but it's like, so I always put great barbecue with a Black cook, and I guess that's technically wrong, but that, that was my experience. Yeah, and, and yeah. listen, uh, I, my father used to tell the story when he was in the Army, uh, when he would get leave from the base, because uh, he was in... Um, uh, was it uh, Mrs. Is there Mississippi? The Mississippi. Yeah, yeah. Um, whenever he'd get leave, now he didn't speak English, so the only people who would hang out with him would be the black soldiers, because exactly. right, because they treated him basically as if he were a minority. Yeah. And he told me the best food I ever had, John, was going home, and either their mothers or their wives would be, you know, they put out a spread for us, you know, and I'd be the guy hanging out, and he goes man, the best sweet potato pie uh, and collard greens and pig's knuckles and pig's feet. And, I, and my mother would listen to this, you know, later. And she said, I'm not making any of that stuff. I don't know how to make any of that stuff for you. My father goes, don't worry about it. He goes, I'll find some women to make it for you. My father would find like black nurses at the hospital where he worked and be like, hey, you got any leftover sweet potato pie for me and all that, you know? And every so often, I guess he was a charmer. He'd come home with a fresh baked sweet potato pie uh, homemade, you know, so I've always learned, like, if you want to, like, in, in Chinatown in New York, 
I never go to the touristy spots. I oh, always, yeah, yeah, I always exactly. go to some place where they don't even speak English, and I bring exactly. someone who speaks the language. Exactly. And I'm like, can you exactly. order for me in Chinese, in Korean, yeah. in, in Vietnamese, in Thai? What we're talking about and not saying it is the trading of cultures. Sure. Meaning, meaning that's how we learn about one another. My dad was the same way. I don't know about the food, but I do know when I went to Puerto Rico, he was eating uh, chitlins and that was the most foul smelling thing. <laughs> but my dad, I always suspected it was all minorities. He didn't know English neither. And he was a big cools smoker, mm. cold menthols. And that was directly targeted to them. And then as a kid, I saw all his friends tended to be a, a mixture of everything. But, you know, the closer friends tend to be Latino or, right. or some of the black soldiers he worked with. You know, uh, and my dad was a boss for many years. He made E9 and 14, unheard of, an impossibility today. One of the things I'm most proud of uh, that he did in his life. Uh, uh, but he always treated people with respect. And, and, and But back, back to the point before we shut it down is the most important thing we can do to get along as a society, as a civilization, is the trading and sharing of cultures. What makes it worse is leftists now talk about cultural appropriation. You know, yet then I look at Hollywood and I see all the white heroes, all the white uh, characters. Now they're being they're Korean or Asian, or, or I'm sorry, Korean or Asian or or Latino or black, and like y'all talking about cultural appropriation. Yeah, you have no problem doing it. And my whole point is, it's a stupid belief because it we is. come together when we share. And look at your dad, uh, 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 my dad. Uh, uh, when it's funny you say that because when I was traveling overseas, I would go out. I eventually went out by myself. I was too cheap to want to go to the stripper bars because they didn't want to pay us enough. And being right. Latino in a Spanish-speaking country, I was the golden ticket home. So picking a woman up was never an issue. So I wanted to learn about the culture. I would hire a cab. Usually I have one or two guys who would just tag along because I spoke Spanish. Right. And I would sit there, take me to the local restaurants because of what you just said. That's where the good food's at, not the tourist traps. And you're right. And, and that's a good note, I think, to end it off because that's us coming together as a society uh, to make one another uh, not better humans, but to introduce us to different things in life we would normally not, not, not be able to, right. to enjoy and experience. And with that, John, it was a great show. Uh, we're gonna talk about a couple other things and I'm just excited, so I gotta say it. I'm excited to talk about Amber Turd next episode. The, the whole Me Too movement, Amber Turd getting caught in the lie. It's not that I'm happy that she went down, is I'm happy as to what it, it exposed. And we got other right. great topics, uh, including Dennis Velasco coming on soon too. So John, great episode. And for the crowd out there, I love cranking John up, you know, because it's hard to get a rise out of John. He's so even and so mellow. And that's, that's what she said. God bless him. That's what I love him for. That's what uh, she said. Yeah, there you go. So, America, it's been a great experience tonight. Yes, sir. And John, say good night. Good night.